Katjana, at a certain stage, privacy starts to become important to children. Around what age does this happen and why should parents acknowledge this? Mm, I think it really depends. Again, I've seen some kids around the ages of like five be very uh, protective over their privacy. Uh, And I've seen some kids who are older, maybe kids who have siblings around and they're kind of accustomed to sort of sharing a lot more and not having that personal space. Um, But I would say probably around the ages of in my clients, about five and above is when I start seeing kids become um, a little bit more territorial of their personal space um, mm-hmm. and become a little bit more uncomfortable with sort of like sharing or, you know, getting dressed or doing things around other people. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I, but I do feel that the topic of privacy with kids <clears throat> is something that's not discussed enough, um, not so much in the context of like, you know, being around people but for example just like privacy over like photos of themselves and things like that which i think we we don't talk about more um but yeah but definitely around five and above i would have to say maybe younger depending on the child okay well where does or where should privacy begin Mm. i think you know we, we do a lot to talk about like um, what is appropriate and what is not for kids. So for example, like, you know, is it appropriate or is it, uh, are you entitled to privacy when you're doing certain things? I think that that's something that we do or we are comfortable talking to kids about. Um, but I think that, like I said earlier, we don't talk enough about the privacy that comes with, for example, adults sharing photos of kids on the internet, on social media, mm-hmm. um, and not asking for the child's consent or the child's permission, right? Um, I think that that sort of falls under the umbrella of privacy. Um, and I think that as an adult, uh, we feel that it's within our rights that we get asked, for example, if things are posted online about us. Mm-hmm. Um, but for kids, we kind of don't think about it. And I think there's also this trend where adults like to post like, you know, nude photos of kids, which, you know, or embarrassing photos of kids or kids at the pool and things like that. And they don't think it's an issue um, and they don't run it by their child. Um, and, and I think that, you know, without kind of going down the dark rabbit hole of why that could be dangerous, we're also kind of um, not considering that these children are going to grow up to be, you know, primary adults. schoolers and teenagers and adults. Exactly. Mm. Um, and these are things that they might not want of them put online. Right. Um, and mm-hmm. so I think that we need to, <clears throat> um, as much as we, ch- we talk to our children about um, what is, what is privacy within the context of like, yeah, like what you share with other people, what you talk about with other people um, getting dressed or undressed in front of people like that type of sort of privacy, which I think is what a lot of parents think about. Mm-hmm. I feel that we should also be talking about this other side of privacy, which is the right to, um, you know, the right to have a say over whether images of them are shared online. I think that we should also talk about. Well, let's touch on that because, you know, there's different ages where sort of privacy comes into, say, for example, getting dressed and all that kind of stuff that you were talking about. Mm. Um, and we'll get to that in a second. But when it comes to photos and stuff, I mean, if you ask a three-year-old, is it is, is it okay if mommy does this? A three-year-old is probably going to say yes. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. how do you, where do you start with that kind of consent asking and mm. um, what should you do before that time? Mm. I think, you know, even though, like you said, the child would probably say yes, I think it's not a bad habit to kind of get into where your child understands that they do have a say or they do have um, some type of influence. Um, Even if the child is going to say yes without really understanding the consequences, that's where it is actually our responsibility to determine whether this is safe and appropriate 
for our children, right? Um, <clears throat> like, like I said, the dark rabbit hole does exist where um, there are a lot of um, sources online that exploit children. Um, and so when you are sharing what you think is an innocent photo, it might not end up being that way. So mm -hmm. I implore parents, especially, you know, I feel a lot of the younger parents who are very much on social media, um, to consider that um, before putting things up, but it's more along the lines of like the habitual practice of asking your child, I would say like, yeah, three to five years old uh, to say like, okay, mom just took a picture of you and I want to put it on the internet. What do you think? Is that okay? Right. It's more along the lines of getting them into that, into that, that, that role. Right. Um, <clears throat> because we want them to know that, that, that their consent is required and that consent is important, not mm -hmm. just about other things in life, but about that as well. Um, and, um, and then you use your, 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 judgment as an adult to determine whether that's safe and then that way as they get older it's something that's very common and very practiced um, and then they will also be able to identify when in their day-to-day -day life consent is not being being discussed mm -hmm. so they would be able to go wait hang on this is my right right and I think that that's important that's what we need to teach our kids to do right and for that to also happen uh parents also have to honor the no, right? Yes, yes. <laughs> um, every single time. Yes, and parents have to on honor the no. And I think that that's something that that people might not do um, often because it's like, mm -hmm. ah, you're just a kid. You don't really know, right? Um, but, you know, we want our children to be able to have, and we talk a lot now about bodily autonomy. That's something that's a huge topic nowadays with regards to um, teenagers and children. Um, and so we want our kids to be able to have that, to be able to have a say with regards to um, what is being shared, what is being discussed, what is being shown with regards to their body, the decisions that are made with regards to their body. Um, and, and it starts with that as well. So privacy definitely falls under that bracket yeah but a opinion. lot of parents go as long as you're staying under my roof and everything and that happens all the way to like late teens and everything doesn't mm -hmm, it mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and so that's the thing right? it's very systemic is that you know i think a lot of parents do believe like if you're living under my roof you don't really have a say um but you know it goes back to what we talked about before it's like you know one day your kid's gonna be out in the real world and are you really preparing them for that by giving them this blanket ruling that everything is my way or the highway for the moment and then when they go out into the real world they don't really know how to function Right. Right. So they don't like I've had, um, you know, I, I've had conversations about like, you know, I, a few people had said to me or a few clients said to me where they had found out that their teenage child was sharing inappropriate photos with their boyfriend slash girlfriend with the internet and things like that. Mm -hmm. And they don't understand why this is happening. Right. And then when you dig deeper, you kind of find out that there's been multiple moments where that consent was either violated within the home. Privacy was not something that was really established. Mm -hmm. um, and so these kids don't really think there's anything wrong, right? They're, they've got a boyfriend or a girlfriend or they've got you know someone that they're attracted to um and you know and this is something that they think is part and parcel of that because that element of consent and privacy and what is your right to keep secret or what's your right to not share is stuff that we're probably not talking about and not enforcing enough so it's sort of that tricky line right is that yes it works for as long as they live under your roof but that's not going to always be the case though right so you know if that's one of the consequences i guess of not respecting a child's privacy in the long run what what other things do we have to look out for um, mm -hmm. as a consequence of that mm -hmm. so i mean you know privacy is something that i think has a lot of different things that kind of branch out from it so of course the first thing is the concept of their concept of bodily autonomy and what uh, and how um, they feel what or the what rights they feel they have with regards to their body and, and things like that um i think also what it kind of branches off off into is also that sense of 
um, what I guess I could call it like self-orientation, if you will. Because what I find is that when kids are not taught about privacy um, and that they have a right that is uniquely theirs to something that is uniquely theirs, which is their space, their time, their body, um, they kind of feel obligated to, to make themselves readily available for everyone. And like right. I said, it doesn't have to just be physicality. It can be time. It can be other things, right? Um, and they, I see a lot of kids become very overwhelmed and anxious when they feel like they can't be what everyone wants them to be, right? Or they can't be able to, or they can't say yes, so they can't people please, right? There's no boundaries that are being taught to them from a very young age. So they feel, they, they almost kind of feel like public property in that sense. Um, and I think that that's not a healthy thing. And, and I know that, um, like JD said, you know, especially with Asian culture, when you live under the parents' roof, you know, you don't really get much privacy, you don't really get much say with regards to your time um, and the decisions you make. Um, but I think that that's kind of, that is a very slippery slope towards kids um, potentially, eventually feeling like um, they don't really have much control and they don't really have much of a say. Um, and, and that's not good. That's like a, that, that can open up the doors to other things, you know? So I think to me, that's more the bigger, the, the, the bigger concern. Um, but then of course, you know, the other flip side is that, yeah, them not really knowing what is appropriate and what is not. Um, right. So they might, you know, do things and cross certain boundaries and social cues with other people that they don't realize is not appropriate because they were not taught about that sense of privacy. Um, right. Or even yeah. that idea of sort of like, thinking about is this something appropriate to show up just having that sort of uh, secondary yes. thought of should I really send this picture for example yes that filter right that does mm. that's something that that might not exist right we see a lot of young kids nowadays because I mean I, I'm one of my <clears throat> we could have a whole episode on this bit but <laughs> one of my big grievances is parents giving kids access to social media accounts at a very very young age right so every social media platform comes with an age limit and these kids are obviously lying about their age to get accounts and the parents are fully aware of it so they're getting access to things like tiktok like instagram like facebook um and they are you know posting not just explicit things they are you know um sharing a lot of content which is not <clears throat> appropriate and has consequences um and they don't really realize that it's not maybe safe or um again appropriate to share those things on those platforms because looking back again at neurological immaturity but on top of that the concept of privacy was just not discussed they think that their lives are they think that it's normal for their lives to be on social media um Right. And those are things that are, you know, are completely fine in that generation, right? So there are consequences in that regard, which I think that we we need to address. And, and talking about privacy um, is is the main thing. This is how we get there. Um, talking about uh, neurological immaturity or just neurologically speaking, um, you know, why is the need for privacy a milestone that needs to be watched out for? So even younger, when we're talking about sort of bathing, dressing, body mm, space, mm, all mm, of those areas. Mm. Because <clears throat> when we look at the neurological growth of children, right, I mean, we've talked a lot about how foresight or, you know, just being able to understand the consequences of current actions is something that these kids lack, not because they don't want to, but because their brain is still learning. And so children are not <clears throat> and should not be put in a position to police whether something is appropriate or not, right? So without kind of, I mean, you, you have the malicious side, which is, you know, wanting our kids to know what is appropriate touching and what is not appropriate touching and how to share, you know, what is um, safe with regards to like, 
<clears throat> getting dressed or undressed, all of that stuff, I think is what a, a lot of people do think about. But then again, like on this side, which is like the social media side of privacy and sharing your life and things like that, kids are not going to be able to know that the impact of posting this photo of yourself, right? Um, I've got some kids, some teenagers who post, for example, um, videos or TikToks or, or photos of them drinking or smoking when they're underage um, and then not realizing the consequences of that type of content because to them, it's like cool. To them, it's what other kids are doing, right? And, and that might be the case. But here we have the parents going like, don't you realize what would happen if schools found out, if authorities found out, mm. right, to this type of content? Um, just last week, I was doing a group session and I actually had to include um, a, a section in the brief about the consequences of social media. So I said to all of the kids that were in the session, I said, as much as I know you guys want to like post Instagram photos and stuff of you coming for the session or things like that, do remember that when you're posting it, you are basically not to say violating, but you are voiding your right to privacy. And that's what you get when you come to therapy is that where you get the privacy and confidentiality that comes from sessions. But if you are going to be posting things, right, you are informing other people of the fact that you're in therapy, right? And that that voids that confidentiality, even without me saying so. So things like that, like, and I remember my kids were just like, oh yeah, we didn't think of that, right? So I think that those are things that, um, you know, kids are not going to be able to think about, right? Mm -hmm. At this age or this stage in their life. Um, <clears throat> so when parents kind of go, well, they should have known better. They really, they really won't, right? So it's kind of right. where we need to educate them on what these things are. Um, and if you have to take on the, it's my rules under my roof approach to get them to see that at this point in time, you do you. But it's important for kids to be able to know that there's, uh, that privacy is important, right? And there's a consequence for violating it for yourself and for other people. Hmm. I mean, talking about sort of a child uh, not picking up the concept, for example, um, whether it's, a younger child sort of not learning about perhaps, um, you know, we've all seen, I mean, we've all known at least one kid with, you know, come on girls, you know, you, if you're wearing a skirt, that's not how you, you know, that's not how you sit or that's not what you do sort of thing. So mm -hmm. if a child isn't picking up on this concept of mm -hmm. privacy or even sort of boundaries and, and mm -hmm. that behavior, um, mm -hmm. what's going on there and, and how vital is it for them to be explicitly taught? And why? Mm -hmm. You know, kids are not going to think, like I said, about, they, they, they see the world in color, right? I, I tell this to all my parents, my, all my clients that kids are born the most positive, <clears throat> self-oriented, self-absorbed creatures on the planet. <clears throat> Sorry. <clears throat> and um, what that means is, they will not think negatively of anything until life teaches them as such, right? So they're not going to think of the dark rabbit hole on the internet. They are not going to think about how, what their short skirt is going to be sexualized. That is not something that they think about. And I think that the problem is that society does think of it, right? So, <clears throat> so when you have a young girl, and I see this all the time, like even in my mom's neighborhood, we've got these young girls who kind of cycle around I know for a fact that they don't think about the fact that their skirts are short. Like that's not just something that comes to mind. And I've seen a lot of adults go like, oh, look how, look how inappropriate they're trying to dress. I guarantee you that's probably not what these kids are thinking. Mm -hmm. Right. I guarantee you that to them, it's all about the fact that the skirt is cute. It's comfortable. It's not hot. Like it's, those are the priorities. Yes. Right. Mm. Um, so I think that a lot of the time, like when we want to, when we want to broach these subjects, especially when we want to talk about safety, you know, parents need to be able to 
not blame the child. That's the first thing. And don't be like, you know, why are you doing this? Don't you realize that people will think this way? Take that out of the equation. And just explain to kids, like, hey, you know, I know you, the skirt looks really nice on you. Um, and I know you really like it because it's comfy. But, you know, I think it's really important for you to make sure that, you know, when you're sitting down, that you sit down a certain way. Because if you don't, then your skirt rides up and then people can see it all your, you know, undergarments and stuff and everything's mm-hmm. going on underneath. Um, and, you know, sometimes people might, you know, be a bit nasty about that. So I think just be really mindful and just kind of take that, <clears throat> that sort of approach mm-hmm. so that they do realize that they do. Um, kind of not think that, you know, because I, I think that that's what we do sometimes is that we go like, you know, why are you doing this? You know, you don't realize that what people are saying. Um, and I've had that happen to me as well. Like I've had people, like even when I was in high school, I've had, um, you know, we had a very strict dress code in my high school. And the way that the teachers explained why those dress codes had to be uh, conformed to was all about, you know, if you do this, like you are, um, you are being, insert negative com- negative word here like right it was inviting right. inviting trouble like right yeah like right. you were kind of trying to be promiscuous and i'm just like right you know so as an adult yeah. now reflecting on that i'm just like no that's not what that's not the best way to do that because you're 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 creating a lot of body image issues when you do that and and plus it's not their fault that adults are sexualizing them in my opinion or right? think that those are not appropriate so Absolutely. when you mm. when you talk to kids about that i would say just kind of explain to them like you know maybe we should do things in a different way right and that the reason behind that is more just that you know other people might say uh nasty things but also just because it's maybe more comfortable or just kind of using those types of approaches yeah. without having to like blame the child when, yeah. you, when you talk about it. I remember um, I have, an, I, I still have an obsession. I can't do them anymore, but the monkey bows. And mm. I remember, you know, as a kid running around, I had a skirt because, you know, Malaysia hot and everything, got mm-hmm. a skirt on everything. And I'm up on the monkey bars and I'm hanging upside down. Mm-hmm. And my mom just comes over to me and goes, um, sweetie, why don't you go home and put on a pair of shorts? Mm-hmm. Um, and I'd sort of said to her, why? I'm, I'm, mm. I'm just playing whatever and she just said well everyone can see your underwear and underwear is called underwear for a reason because it's underwear um under your outerwear and to me that was just it made such perfect simple sense like Mm -hmm. okay underwear is not supposed to be seen because that's what outerwear is for all right and i off i went and so i remember that just you speaking now it's just Mm. come to mind about a really gentle nice logical way of explaining something right yeah um but can you talk about sort of from a psychological development standpoint Mm. The idea of kids um, learning about privacy, obviously it starts when they're younger with Mm. their bodies and showering and bathing. No, I want to dress myself, those Mm -hmm. kinds of things. Mm -hmm. What's happening developmentally there? Where does it sort of start? And then where is it leading on to? Mm. I I think it it starts in the area of independence, right? I think that's kind of like you said, like, I want to dress myself. I want to remember like when my brother was three and he wanted to pick his own clothes, right? Like it starts with that kind of like need for independence. And that, like you said, is a developmental milestone, right? Mm -hmm. Kids will kind of start presenting with that as young as I think the last uh, paper I read is about like 24 months. Um, So just about Mm -hmm. two years old, kids are starting to develop a sense of independence, right? Um, And if your child is not wanting to, then that's usually a red flag. But at, at around 24 months you'll start seeing kids wanting to like I do it right they want to feed themselves they want to so that sense of independence kind of comes up um, and that I think is kind of what opens the door to this sense of privacy because as they become more independent they become more territorial or more proud of the things that they can do and that then leads on to feeling more territorial over um, the autonomy that comes with again their time their space their toys their this their that right and so 
that then, you know, leads into what we know as like, I need my privacy and my private space as a, you know, in, in that sense. So mm-hmm. I would say that, you know, it's, it's all about us being able to start taking control of our bodies and our lives, right? And that is a step on from independence. Um, and it starts, and it starts super young. Um, and so I think that when, um, I think like what JD was saying is like when parents talk about, oh, it's under my roof and they don't, they don't have these, they don't necessarily earn these things. They shouldn't have a say. We're bypassing that sense of independence. We're bypassing that sense of authority or, or, or um, um, control that they have. And that opens up the doors to problems when they become adults and teenagers, right? So you have one side of the coin where you have kids potentially um, rebelling against that, right? Meaning that they, they, they um, find the need to kind of get that elsewhere right um or you have the other side of the coin where you have kids who don't understand it at all and then welcome to adulthood and they don't know how to practice these things Mm -hmm. right so i think that um it it privacy or the sense of like you know i want to dress myself and change myself i'm sure there are a lot of parents hearing this going like well how do i expect my two-year-old to dress themselves right that's probably what's you know and it's not Mm -hmm. so much about that right i think it's about and, and honoring or ensuring that your child understands that they have the right to have a say about their bodies as they age. Yeah. Um, and it starts from you like asking them or, or introducing yeah. them to the concept of consent yeah. from a young age. Yeah. I'm laughing because around the age of two is when we started having the odd shoes because, you know, he wanted to, to decide what he was going to wear and stuff. So it's like, okay, yeah. pick him out. I had to help. But obviously yeah. it was like, and it was like, I'm going to wear this shoe and then that shoe. And it was like two opposite shoes from different pairs. And I, it yeah. went on for like, I don't know, a year and a half and it was yeah. fine. And you know, it was his choice. So. Then they go bowling. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Hilarious. Yeah. Um, and because, you know, how does trust come into play here? And why is that critical to a parent-child relationship? Because, you know, I think that when a child trusts you or when a child is introduced to the concept of trust and knowing, because, you know, again, like I said, like kids aren't born with a negative concept. So they're born to trust everyone. Right. Mm. And then as they get older, they start to trust primarily their parents. So that's why you get stranger danger. Um, and then eventually they start to trust people who've earned it. Right. And so trust is something that I think we need to be able to instill in kids because that is nature or evolution's um, filtering system for mm for danger right you're if, if you don't trust someone you should not be engaging with them or you should not be participating in things with them um and if we don't build upon that sense of trust if you violate that trust with kids even in the household their relationship with trust is going to be pretty tenuous with other people mm-hmm. right i say this all the time moms and dads are the first relationships that your child will have right whether we're talking about the trust they have with you whether it's about what healthy relationships look like so that they can model it in the future mm-hmm. moms and dads have a pretty big role to play when it comes to introducing kids or educating their kids about what relationships are like and so if you violate that trust if you violate your child's trust mm-hmm. which i think some parents think is okay because they're moms and dads they're allowed to or we don't even realize we're doing it. I mean, sitting here listening to you talk and I'm like going, oh, my God, crumbs. <laughs> How many times have I possibly done that without actually even recognizing that? Yeah. I mean, like, you know, a lot of times parents don't and that's fine. Like, we're not saying that you're, you know, I'm, I'm talking more about the people who who know that they're violating their child's trust mm-hmm. and they do it anyway. Um, I think that, you know, when you have when you violate your child's trust and you don't 
and you are blatantly obvious about it and you feel that it's your right, you're telling your kids a lot of very negative things. You're telling your kids that you don't really have, um, that they don't deserve it, right? You make it very difficult for them to trust other people. Um, You instill or you introduce almost a bit of like a dysfunctional element to that trust relationship. You cheapen trust in a way, right? You cheapen trust. Thank you. And what that does is they replicate that, right? Mm. So they might not, they might find themselves um, engaging in friendships which are not healthy Mm. because they think that it's normal. They Mm. might engage in romantic relationships that are pretty toxic because they think it's normal to be lied to and to have your trust violated. Mm. Mm -hmm. Um, So you're setting the stage and that's not a good thing, right? And, And I think what's, just reflecting back, I had a case of, a, a while back of a child who had um, been groomed and eventually found out that she had been sharing photos of herself. And when I was talking to this child about it, it all boiled down to the fact that the person on the other end was saying very, very nice things. Mm-hmm. And so that concept of trust was just completely thrown out the window. Like she did not know where to begin when it comes to the kind of people that you could trust because trust was something that was constantly violated in her family structure. And so for her, having somebody who said very, very nice things and who had shown some modicum of consistency with the nice things that they were saying, that was enough to trust them. Right. Or right. Another, so, another way, also like other people can manipulate some people and when they're older and mm. get scammer. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right. You know? okay. Exactly. Yeah. So I, I think that trust is, is really, really important, especially when we talk about it in the context of privacy, because we want our kids to be able to know that, you know, you need to be able to, to uh, trust the person on the other end. And if you don't, then you're not obligated to do anything. And even if you do, people have to earn it. Right. Mm. And those are the types of things, which I don't think we talk about because it's kind of uncomfortable for a lot of adults, I think, but absolutely trust is super important. Mm. Let's talk about some sort of advice uh, or things, checklists that we can go through, Katiana. You know, parents Mm. um, do have a lot of safety concerns um, Mm -hmm. for all the various reasons, friendships, Mm -hmm. uh, social media, et cetera. So how can parents balance their concerns for respect Mm. um, with their children's need for privacy? Mm. I actually really like the example that your mom, of, of what your mom said, right? Because I think that we are... 100%, if not more, capable of identifying the potholes than than our kids are, Mm. right? Because we've lived through most of them. And we are exposed to just how dark the world can be. And that's not something that we want or necessarily can have our kids appreciate at this stage in their life. So what we need to do is to be able to, again, like you said, balance those concerns by expressing to your child like, hey, you know, mom and dad are a little bit worried about these things because so and so and so and so right Mm -hmm. and so and you know enforcing to your child that you would not like them to be able to not like them to partake or to uh, do certain things until they've reached adulthood and they can make those decisions for themselves right so that would that would involve talking about what's responsible social media usage and responsible internet usage right Mm -hmm. that's something that we've talked about a few episodes ago or a while ago but no one really does is talking to your kids about what is appropriate, right? What is, what is um, safe things to do on the internet, right? Um, And explaining to your child that these are things that, you know, so mom and dad, we we understand that you need to have a phone, right? Because all your friends have a phone and I understand that you need to have TikTok. But the thing that's really important to mom and dad is that, you know, um, when you're on TikTok, you're being safe and that people are not seeing things that are going to get you into trouble. So Mm -hmm. the rules are, right? And then list them all out. 
right? And for as long as you're able to do these things, you are more than welcome to use the TikTok or use your phone or whatever. But if mom and dad find signs that there's anything that you're doing that's violating that, then we need to have a talk and we need to evaluate whether you are old enough and responsible enough to continue using it, right? Mm -hmm. So I think that we need to not ignore the alarm bells that are in our head that tell us that these things are not safe, right? We do not need to kind of turn it over 100% to our kids and expect them to know the potholes or to accept the consequences. Right. So even adults get it wrong, right? So as long as you're talking about it, you're yeah. recognizing it and it's out in the open, so to speak. Exactly. Right. But you need to, you know, we've we've been given the privilege of extra time on this earth before them to be able to guide them through it and to show them where the dangers are because they don't know what it is. But, you know, I think that when we talk about like, oh, we have to give our children the opportunity to consent, we have to give our kids the right to say yes or no. It's not about saying that your children should have complete control over what they do and what they post. And, um, you know, we need to be able to share our concerns and to talk about it and to educate our kids about them. But we need to just remember that they do not have the tools to comprehend it as much as you do or as well as you do. So don't judge them don't you know reprimand them don't get mad at them for something that should be common sense or think that they're doing it because they're trying to be bad that's not at all the motivation 99.9 percent of the time so let's talk about this let's talk about what you do if you inadvertently discover your Mm -hmm. child's um uh, whether it's photographs or emails or they're doing something some kind of behavior that you know is dangerous and wrong they're keeping that private how do you respectfully confront them without betraying their trust Mm. or pushing them away Mm. well I think you know I think being open about the fact that you've discovered it right and not kind of being sneaky about it I mean I know some parents do kind of get like fake accounts and go follow their kids on social media Um, but I think that what's important is to say that look you know we found out that this is happening right we found out that we saw this post we we found out that this has been going on um and you know we want you to know that it's something that we feel is potentially dangerous and we feel is something that could get you into a lot of trouble or that's not appropriate or whatever is relevant to the situation um and for that reason you know we wanted to talk to you about it and get you to understand that this is not safe um and that we would uh you know and whatever consequence that you you deem fit right um so i think kids are again, not going to be able to know that this is the problem. So you need to be able to explain, draw the dots or connect the dots for them. This behavior or this context is inappropriate or problematic or dangerous because, right, kind of connect the dots for them um, and then have them see why it is that that's not appropriate. They might not agree and that's fine, right? Like, So what know, happens I, then? <laughs> I get that you don't agree, right? I get that you don't agree. I get that you think that we're overreacting, right? And you might be right. But for the moment, while you're, you know, still a minor and you can't necessarily make these decisions on your own, mm-hmm. it's our job to be able to protect you from that. And by the time you are an adult, if you feel differently and you want to do things the same way, you're welcome to. But for the moment, while you're a child, while we are legally responsible for you, mm-hmm. we need to make sure that we're keeping you safe. Right. So I think that you know, there's, there's a lot of ways that you can do it without kind of jumping down their throat and being really aggressive about it. Um, Because, you know, I I think a lot of parents get caught in that trap where they're just like, you're talking to a teenager who sounds like an adult, 
um, and that they're, you know, right. it kind of seems like they're irrational, but they're not really adults and their brain is not at the same level as yours. So you need to put yourself in that frame where they're not doing this intentionally with all the information that they need. Mm-hmm. Right. So you kind of need to explain to them why it's not appropriate. And if they don't agree, it's OK. I don't need your agreement necessarily to keep you safe. Right. But I need you to be able to to understand where we're coming from. And while you're living under my roof, you do exactly <laughs> as I say. Precisely. Right. It's worked for eons in the Asian generation. So, you know, but, um, but yeah. I've come full circle. 